Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. It's been a little while, but we are back and we're going to be talking a little bit of everything. I've got uh, Sam with me as always tonight, and we are joined by Justin tonight as well, back from Hawaii. Uh, Very, very, very jealous of you right now, Justin, that you got to spend some time out in the out in the tropics, though. I guess you were feeling a little bit under the weather. What are you what are you sipping on to nurse yourself back to health right now? Yeah, not as pasty as you two, that's for sure. Um, I have <laughs> wow, a Joseph, Joseph's Brow Hefeweizen that I picked up at Trader Joe's the other day. So we're, we're ah. trying that out. I haven't had a half okay. since like college, I swear. It tastes pretty good. <laughs> I swear. Halves have their time and place, for sure. So I guess the time and time and place is now on the podcast for, for Justin. Sam, is that what even are you like- on tonight? I'm drinking a Bud Light Lime, baby. Whew. That's that's different, bro. That's like I, I I actually like I liked those a lot for like a two year span, like right after college, because they were cheap and they go down easy and you know they're refreshing. So. Yeah, I'm still stuck in that phase. Can't get <laughs> can't get out you. of it. I don't blame you. So I've got one of those and then I will likely switch over to uh tennessee sour mash bourbon whiskey from trader joe's which is basically their version of jack daniels Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference if the bottles were shaped the same but they're not it's all right usually i'm a big proponent for the trader joe's whiskeys and scotches but i for a dollar more your favorite for a dollar more splurge and, and get black label jack baby (laughs) <laughs> how about you what are you sipping on um right now i'm sipping on a 20 corners ghost trees hazy ipa um my neighbor brandon went to 20 corners last week and picked up a case and brought it up to Camano this last weekend and we hung out on the beach and this one just was happened to be left over from that so Sipping on that right now, and then might might switch over to some Blue Rockies uh, Coors Light. So we'll see. Nice. All right. Well, we got plenty to talk about tonight. Since we do have Justin on the episode, we are going to lead it off with some Sounders talk. Justin, Sounders are in the international break. And I've wanted to talk to you about this start for like a few weeks now. Yes, obviously. you have. Like they yes. keep on kind of rolling up points. And they're off to the best start in club history through eight games. They have a 5-0-3 record, undefeated at this point of the season. Them and Nashville, I think, are the only two MLS teams that are undefeated, technically. Um, but 18 points, if the season ended today, they'd be Supporter Shields winners through eight games. <laughs> but Not bad, um, uh, considering they're missing their best player, Connor. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And we'll get to that in a second. They did. I, I, I do want to hear just like kind of your your general thoughts, though, about just the start. And I mean, a lot of people did not pick them to start this fast. Like they had a kind of a tough schedule to start the season. 
Um, obviously losing someone like Jordan Morris going into the year. And then shortly before the season starts, suddenly you're without Nico Ladero, as you just hinted at. Um, and you've been out, he's, he's played what, all of what, 20 minutes or something like that this, mm-hmm. this season so far. Yeah. Um, and yet this team is just clicking and this new formation is, seems to be a godsend for this team as far as fitting the players and their strengths. And you kind of hinted at that going into the season that you thought that might be the case. So what what are your general thoughts, obviously on the start, but like specifically, how does the formation like complement what they're, what, what all these players are doing and this like fast start that the team is off to. You see so many coaches, whether it's football, soccer, baseball, basketball, they try to mold the team into their style of play and how they want to play the game rather than fitting what works for the roster that they have. And luckily, mm-hmm. Brian Schmetzer is not one of those people. He assesses <laughs> the squad and says, what do I have and what can I play with this squad and coming up with the formation? And, you know, that realization hit him, especially after the MLS Cup final last year. And mm-hmm. we have not great midfielders, I have to say. Um, we have Nicholas Ladero for sure. We have Zhao Paolo. Christian Wildon's kind of a can-do-everything, hard worker type of player. But outside of that, we don't have great wingers. We don't have great midfielders. So we can play um, this 3-5-2, 3-4-1-2, whatever you want to call it, um, formation, where we have those two attackers, which is new to the system, and play those wing backs and still have coverage at the back. And, you know, I kind of expected us to score and play decently well, but I have to say through eight games, I never expected the Sounders of all teams to give up only three goals. Um, I yeah. talked horrendous shit about Xavier Ariaga and Alex Roldan going into the season. Um, <laughs> and Alex Roldan in particular has been one of the Sounders best players, Connor, um, through eight yeah. games and surprised me immensely. So, um, hats off to him, I guess. But yeah, like you said, it wasn't an easy schedule. They've played the Galaxy, who have played pretty well and surprised a lot of teams early this season. Mm-hmm. They've played LAFC twice. Um, yep. and have four points off of them. They beat Portland in Portland. Um, they played Atlanta, who's traditionally a pretty good team, and they blew off Minnesota. That's probably not the right word choice. Uh, they blew away Minnesota <laughs> in the first game of the season. So, yeah, I mean... Wait, what happened against Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so 18 points through eight games over... I mean, if you can average more than two points per game, you're likely a supporter shield very much a supporter shield candidate and that's what they're doing yeah for sure it's been it's been fun to watch and um yeah the team just seems to be clicking i will say that i mean they they obviously have kind of stumbled the past couple matches at home uh Mm -hmm. they've settled for a couple draws at home you know arguably against a couple teams they probably should have beat atlanta they're up you know until the 86th minute and give up a kind of fluky pk yeah Brad Smith just goes down in the box and kind of a brain fart idiot play. And then um, against uh, who they just play Austin, Austin. the expansion team at home. Yeah. And yeah, it was kind of an ugly game throughout. I feel like we, we just look kind of tired. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but we just looked like a little bit lackadaisical out there. Not really at our best. Um, They ended up, we ended up getting like a goal, but then it got called back for Rui D as being offsides. And that was kind of like a late, 
late, late possible goal that got called back there. But um, yeah, kind of, kind of stumbling into this international break that we're here, that we're in now um, and would have liked to see them probably play a little bit better up and uh, especially kind of like through those first six games or whatever they had, what, 16 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you only get two points from the last two games. But I mean, it, you look at it, you take a step back and you look at it overall and, you know, 18 points through eight matches is a hell of a start. And like we said, the first, the, the, the best start in club history. And, you know, the Sounders have been a pretty historically, a pretty good club. So um, yeah, never missed the playoffs, the Sounders since they started in 2009, which is pretty crazy. Um, I mean, the playoffs have, have expanded since they've started yeah. in the league, uh, which they only four teams per conference when they started and now it's seven. Um, but the league has grown substantially as well, mm-hmm. where there's how many teams are there now? Like 26, more than that? 27, maybe? Um, something like, I think it was like 19 whenever we came into the league. Yeah, like that, right yeah even 20. less. Yeah. yeah. So lots of teams, even freaking Matthew McConaughey owns a team now in Austin. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the, that was probably one of the ugliest games I've ever seen, though against austin that was ugly i mean austin had some chances but it was just messy not many opportunities on target but you know i have hope we have a nice little break to hopefully get some of the players rested and healthy because like you said they did look a little sluggish Rui diaz has been playing all the minutes and bagging a lot of the goals christian rolled on similar so yeah um hopefully we can get some rest for some of these players and get back to it who's your mvp through the first eight eight matches hmm i feel like you could go like a few different ways here i mean Rui diaz obviously leads the team in goals he's been really good but i mean you got someone like brad smith who's like really kind of formed into a, a nice role on that left hand you know left wing back alex rolled on you mentioned already yeah. christian rolled on's also had a really good year so far joe yeah. paulo leading the team in assists Wait, did you say Christian is rolled on is having a good year? He is. Huh. Not Who's really statistically, one? but yeah. Oh, he does the dirty work, baby. <laughs> yeah. Go dogs. Uh, I did say in the preseason podcast for the Sounders that to watch Brad Smith for his assisting and leading the team there, but not for goals. Yeah. Um, I did not see him getting three yeah. goals through eight games. Especially As, heading goals, right? Yeah, I did not see him being the yeah. poacher in the box. That's for sure. Um, you got to give it to Rui Diaz or Roldan probably. I mean, it's just, they play such different positions. It's hard to pick because they both have probably been equally as valuable. Uh, I'm just going to go Rui Diaz from the pure pure goal, uh, production because I mean, he scored five non-penalty goals, six goals in total, been in and around the box, really dangerous. And without him, we probably would have tied a lot of these games. Um, some of these really close games. So I mean, he's our ace and he's really leading the line, especially with Ladero not there creating a bunch of chances. He's created them and worked well with whether it's Bruin up there or Montero late in games most of the time. So I'm going to go with him, but I could see a couple other players you could pick as well. Yeah, for sure. So you hinted at it there, obviously, and we've talked about it already that Nico Ladero has been injured and sound like he kind of had a little bit of a setback with his knee injury. Um, and they were debating. I don't know if he actually ended up getting like a, like a very minor surgery on that knee. I know they were like debating at getting it. I'm not sure if they ended up. I last read, I thought I read he did, but 
He did. Okay. Yeah, I thought he. It's did. like a. It's it's almost like a scope surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like to clean stuff up. Yeah. Um. So it 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 can't. I mean, that was what two matches to go until the international break that Schmetzer said that that was going to be a possibility, and they mm-hmm. basically said that they were going to shut him down until after the international break at least. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think they're hoping that he could be ready come you know mid late June whenever they're back from international break, but it sounded pretty 50, 50. Hopefully so, the beginning of July. We have other insight. Yeah. Hopefully the beginning of July. Cause they have a lot of games after that international break. In July. It's like, yeah, yeah. So it's like we could, they come back June 19th and it's like four days, three days, four days, three days. And then there's like 11 days and then it's like three, three, three. So there's a Jesus. lot of yeah. backed up games there just because of the late yeah, start. Usually Usually MLS starts in beginning of March and it started middle of April, obviously due to the pandemic. Right. So they have to, they have a lot of games to fit in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So hopefully he gets back. We just need bodies. And obviously, I mean, Nico is such a cog to the way that the Sounders attack, you know, and just like them piecing set pieces and stuff, all that, all that stuff together. Nico is a huge part of that. Jao mm-hmm. Paulo has done really well in that, in that, you know, in that role, but, um, but no one does it like Nico Ladero. So, um, hopefully he does get healthy sooner rather than later. And he's back shortly after the international break here. Um, the other big injury news, obviously that we haven't mentioned yet is to the goalkeeper, Stefan Fry. And, um, obviously one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the league goes down and that's going to be a huge loss, no matter what. Though I will say that Stefan Cleveland has stepped in, played played pretty well. I, I feel like he hasn't been tested really that much, um, and you know credit to the Sounders backline and defense for not really allowing many chances. Um, but we still have not allowed a goal in the run of play through eight matches. It's all been from set pieces and, like you said, only three goals. So. Stephen Cleveland has done his job since he's since he's come in, and mm-hmm. he had a he did have a big save, I will say, against Austin late in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that. It was kind of, I mean, it was really just a really bad shot. Yeah, <laughs> no, right I, I do remember. But he yes. got in the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got in the way. So um, he did his job on that one. So you got to give him credit there. And this the Stephen Fry injury. It was originally just supposed. So I mean, he got injured. People thought it was maybe an ACL. And so people were preparing for it to possibly be season ending. And then Mm -hmm. it actually ended up only being what, like a, like a really bad, like pulled or bruised something like something in the lower leg too. I can't remember what it was. Right. But then recently, just within the last few days or last week, Schmetzer has updated that uh, he actually um, got a blood clot as like a complication from this injury that he has. And so he is going to be probably out for a while. Um, Till minimum September, they say. Yeah. So they are going to be leaning heavily on their backup, backup keeper, Stefan Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to probably have a pretty short leash because Spencer Ritchie is the other guy, another UW product, Sam. I'm sure you'd be happy about that. Uh, put him in coach so, put him in he almost sure did i mean it was really run. close it was like a yeah. almost sounded 50 50 uh after fry well, went I, down yeah i think cleveland one is gonna have a short leash so richie is gonna 
probably see time at some point. Also, just with that slate of games that you were talking about, Justin, there's probably going to be a little bit of rotation in the team anyway. So you're going to need both of those guys. But both do have MLS experience. You're not putting someone like fresh and new in there. So um, you could the situation could be worse. But I mean, obviously, when one of the best keepers in the league is going out for a significant amount of time, no matter what, it's going to be a huge loss. So um, any thoughts on on either of those things, Justin, any of those injury notes, anything else that I missed Sounders wise too, while you're at it? Um, and the Sounders also selected a goalkeeper in the MLS draft um, a couple of weeks ago. His name's Andrew Thomas out of Stanford. So they just selected another oh, yeah. goalie. So wow. he they're rich on goalie. I don't know much about Andrew Thomas, but he was highly regarded. In he, ain't got, he ain't got that sauce. He ain't got that sauce. <laughs> no. Spencer <laughs> Ritchie. doing his homework. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Spencer Ritchie sounds real good. We should yeah. give him a shot. Huh. <laughs> Over Cleveland. Okay. I mean, Cleveland's just associated with, you know, just terrible football franchise and a terrible city, right? So we yeah. have to yank him. Um, another <laughs> player we haven't mentioned, Connor, just because we haven't talked about the Sounders for a while, is Jordy DeLem. He's out for the season. Um, yes. Really yep. unfortunate injury. He got injured in the same game as Stefan Fry did. Um, right. I think that was an ACL, I believe. That was an ACL. Um, right. So, yeah, he's out for the year. Um which I'm not sure he's an out-and-out -out starter, uh, but he is a really critical depth great player depth, and sees so, a lot yeah. of time, whether he's coming off the bench or in these games I was just mentioning where we're having three, four, three-day rest, he'd get a lot, some starts in those games for sure. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Sounders do in the summer window. I mean, they have a spot where they could get a DP if they want. I haven't seen any rumors recently uh, with any players. This yeah. whole transfer window is going to be different because of corona and limited budgets. is it still in july um that's my understanding it opens in july okay. yeah so we might have some more to talk about then but yeah i don't know we'll see i, I think they're gonna need bodies no matter what like they, they need might somebody have yeah or two i mean a lot of um, other countries just... are struggling too like france for example you could find some bargains there because their whole league almost went up in smoke because their tv deal went down and they don't have money so you're seeing a lot wow. of french players being uh, tra um, transferred out. Latin America is not doing well with coronavirus. We've all heard that. So, so you could see some yeah. players wanting to come up here. So there are some bargains to be had out there. It's not like we're signing the David Beckhams of the world. There's Latan Ibrahimovic <laughs> going to come play for the Sounders. Um, I'm thinking more of a younger, maybe like a 23-year-old type of player that has something to prove and make some money in the MLS. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've historically done well with especially those Latin American signings and, mm -hmm. you know, Nico Ladero, Raul Rui Diaz to name a couple there. So Freddie Montero um, initially, Freddie Montero initially. Yep. Yep. And he's played well too. That's, that's another shout out there that in, in some limited minutes, he's going to obviously play a lot more after the international break, especially because Rui Diaz is probably not going to be with the team for at least a few matches yep. after the international break. But, um, yeah, he's played well and uh, definitely made the most of his chances when he's been in there. All right. Um, I think we'll probably shift here to some Mariners talk, unless you had anything else to touch on there with the Sounders, Justin. Same. We are good. I will say I went to a Sounders game, though, um, right That's before right. I went to Hawaii. 
Um, yeah, how was the atmosphere? Interesting experience. It felt louder. I think there were a, just under 10,000 people there uh, when I went. Um, it felt louder um, than it was looking around. It looked pretty empty, especially this yeah. was before the ECS was like a vaccination only section. Mm -hmm. Um, right. So it was still pretty sparse, but um, it was fun. It was fun being out and doing stuff. I mean, the Sounder, this was the LAFC game a couple weeks back. So this is before oh, okay. um, they've opened up some sections, but um, they played terrible in the first half, but did pretty well in the second half. And um, it's cool to get fans back. I mean, you see it at Mariners games now, which we're transferring to now, but um, right. It just feels like the USA post-pandemic world is starting to become a reality. And it's how much more fun is sports with fans? Like, how jacked are we going to be when Husky Stadium has 70,000 this year? Oof. Uh, Oof. And Oof. the Oregon Ducks come to town this year, right? Where Oregon's oh, yeah. coming. Yeah, and the yeah. Oregon comes oh, yeah. to town. Like, oh, and college students are hurling insults. Like, oh, it's just the best, right? Yeah. College football. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> I was I just moved into my house like a week before the pandemic started and like growing up I always was like oh when I get my first house I can have husky watch parties at my own place and I didn't get to do that last year but I don't know that Montana game might have to happen Hunter and I oh, might yeah. have to invite ourselves over oh well that sure. that's <laughs> odd and obvious giveaway there of course you'll be there I'll be checking um, the mail every day for my invite, but yes. if, if it doesn't show up, I'll just pretend that it got lost in the mail and I'll show up anyway. And you know, I'm not that fancy. I don't send formal invites. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> How's a text? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to uh, September. Could not hey, come soon enough. You got to be careful bringing up the Huskies this early in the episode. <laughs> Sorry, that's I'm, true. I'm losing my train ballsy of there, Justin. <laughs> my bad. Do we want to talk about the Mariners and the Hawks, or do we just want to go straight to the Huskies? Okay. I don't know. I'm jacked up for some dog talks. You better stick around, and we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So we do want to touch on the Mariners. Most of this is just going to be us kind of doing an update on the statistics that we all predicted at the beginning of the season. Justin did his like a week into the season, so he at least had the news of Paxton going down. So we didn't have Paxton in any of his prediction. Um, but um, I will say that they are playing a little bit better ball right now. They were in the cellar there and probably at the lowest of lows for about a week, week and a half, maybe 10 day period there, but they have won five in a row. And currently they are leading against the A's four to three right now. That was a four to one ball game, but they, the A's have closed the gap a bit. Um, oh, shit. yeah. They won five in a row. I didn't realize not, that it's 4-4. Four, four. Is it 4-4 four, four now? Yeah, I just refreshed. Oh, yep, you're right. Yeah, just, just yeah. So never mind. They're probably gonna lose tonight. So this is probably we should just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, no, but in all in all seriousness, let's just do a quick rundown here of the predictions and uh we'll share what we all kind of or I guess we'll just we'll share the actual leaders and if either of any of us predicted yeah. that person at this point. So Sam, I know you just ran through these. So if you just want to share those real quick. Yeah. So leading the team in ERA right now is actually Justin Dunn. When I went to sort on stats, it only pulled up Kikuchi. So I don't know if there's like an innings pitched requirement there. Yeah. 
but yeah. Justin Dunn is Dunn is Dunn is a starter though. So yeah, he's a starter, and it's not like he hasn't been pitching. I think he's in no. the forty plus innings realm. So I think that's it's fair game to give that to him now. But um, right behind him is Yusei Kikuchi, who is well. I guess sticking with ERA, none of us chose Justin Dunn. He wasn't even on you know the opening day six man rotation. He was kind of that last person out, wasn't he? Uh, I think he was a six guy. He was the six guy. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So I think that's a bit of a surprise, but he's actually, I mean, he's been our best pitcher. He's been our best pitcher easily. Yeah. I'd say it's either him or Kikuchi like Dunn. Dunn struggles to like, he'll get himself out of jams like a lot. Like he'll allow a bunch of base runners and stuff and he won't be able to, he'll use a lot of pitches and he won't get deep in games. Kikuchi which like that's been like Kikuchi's calling card. Like that's the thing that he has not been able to do through his first two seasons as a Mariner, but he is doing this year. He's getting deeper into games. He's getting six or seven innings pretty much every time. Justin Dunn, he's good for five typically like four or five, but um, he has pitched better, like, especially like over his like last three or four starts. So um, I, I do credit him just like for, he struggled a lot last year and um, he does seem to be kind of, turning a corner so his era is there at least <laughs> i'll say that so yeah i mean at, at the bare minimum he's given the team a been, chance to win yeah it's been a pleasant surprise there he's a young pitcher he's 25 years old so i think at this point mm-hmm. you like what you're seeing from justin dunn for sure and mm-hmm. you know i think if you get more production out of i mean kikuchi's pitching well if you get more production out of gonzalez and you have dunn pitching well like it's a good thing to be seeing for sure um, going down the list for strikeouts and innings pitched, both are being led by Kikuchi right now. I think, you know, all of our picks for both of those stats were either Paxton or Gonzo Paxton's Gonzo. <laughs> He's done for the year. Uh, <laughs> and Gonzalez has not been performing super well. Well, he's he's just coming back from the IL. He just pitched again tonight for the first time in about three or four weeks. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's just been it's just been an injury thing mostly. Like, wasn't he struggling was leading injured. up to his injury? He though? was struggling early. He was. Right? Yeah, yeah. He 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 did not pitch well up to his injury, and then he's been on the IL for like two or three weeks now. Um, and he just came back tonight though, and he he. Did okay. I mean, he, he he was on a limited pitch count, but he put in four innings with one run earned, so he pitched all right. Um, and you know, if Kikuchi ever ever has a hiccup, it's possible that he could lead the team in innings pitched. Or yeah, probably probably not strikeouts. Kikuchi's, Kikuchi's racked up some strikeouts, I will say. So um, I don't know if anyone's going to touch him. He'd have to get he'd have to get for a while if that was going to be the case yeah but anyway yeah and then moving into the batting stats right now batting average is actually being led by france so ty france kudos to you connor he's got hanniger edged out for now but i think it's just because of uh his hits tonight too like i think he just edged hanniger like tonight tonight <laughs> done. yeah well he's when i looked it up yeah. he i mean it's really really close let's yeah yeah, Ty France, 264, Mitch Hanniger, 262. So 
Oof. Yeah. Don't really want that to be your leading hitter batting average. But, no. You know, it is what it is. That's what we got to deal with. And uh, I w- drops off pretty steeply after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say batting averages are down across the entire league. Like the league average, I think, is about 230 or something right now. Um, it has to be like historically effect. bad but for the modern age, right? Mariners, oh, yeah, for sure. And But the Mariners have been like, even more historically bad um <laughs> at least up until this last week so yeah they're they're right around that mendoza line 200 as a as a team batting average so not great yeah not great bob um so then for home runs it's mitchy boy testicle er- eruption kiddo mitch hanniger <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad that he's not having those issues anymore but you got great nicknames tonight. I'm I'm on my A game, man. What, you what are. can I say? He's leading the team in home runs right now. He's got 14. Kyle Seeger's got 10. So pretty comfortable lead there. And none of us had Hanniger for home runs. I had Ty France. You guys had Kyle Lewis, who we'll talk about in just a moment. Yeah. Moving into RBIs, Hanniger's also leading the team with Ruby's 36. Uh. Seeger's at 33. That's another correct Amundo prediction by your boy Connor. I think you guys are getting just at who knows more about the Mariners here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then for steals, Connor and I are probably kicking ourselves because I remember in our initial prediction episode, we were like, oh, the dark horse for steals is Dylan Moore. And he is leading the team with eight steals. Next best is Sam Haggerty, Jared Kelnick with five and three. I mean, Kelnick racked up three pretty quickly, so I don't know. He could yeah. potentially catch up, but well, he also Dylan has Moore's to... on the IL right now too. So yeah. So Kelnick could catch up, but that would require him getting on base and he's in a yeah. slump over <laughs> 27. So yes, <laughs> probably not feeling too threatened on the IL is Dylan Moore. And then yeah. for our record projections, Justin and I are both about the same a handful of games below 500 Connor has us just a couple games above 500 and as of right now we're 28 and 27 wins versus losses and let's see let's give this another refresh here probably still tied still tied tonight so that could put us at even 500 and that kind of rounds out our predictions it's not looking too great for any of us but Connor's got a little claim to fame in two of those categories yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take batting average and RBIs, I guess. I mean, that's how does JP Crawford only I'm have? On the board. How does JP Crawford only have two steals? What are we doing? It's a good question. He's and he's actually gotten on base a decent amount too. Yeah. Like he's 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 our he's a top four hitter for us. Yeah. Um, and that, he, I will say that they just shuffled the lineup tonight, so Kelnick obviously has struggled, and so he's been hitting leadoffs ever since he came up. And they dropped him down to six. So JP Crawford's your new leadoff hitter. So he may have some more chances to be a little bit more aggressive, like kind of at the beginning of games if he gets on. So you may see that that number start to creep up a bit. But um, yeah, it's a that's a valid question. I would like to see him steal more. It, and it might just be like a product of like like maybe he's getting on with guys in front of him, yeah, stuff mm-hmm. like that. That yeah. obviously limits your chances. 
which there's a better chance of that happening the deeper in the lineup sure. you are, especially at the beginning of games. But um, yeah, it, it'd be it'd be good to see JP get on the move a little bit more. He's got good speed, so I'd like to see that. Taylor Trammell's back up too now, so that's my pick. Uh, yeah. He just came back up after with with the news of Kyle Lewis. I guess we can just leak that now. Good segue. back on the IL, um, and yeah. It sucks because I think like pretty much the last time we were talking about this, Kyle Lewis was just coming back from injury yeah, and now he's back on the IL. So uh, it is a, it is, it does seem to be some kind of re-injury of that knee. It's a, it's a torn meniscus is what they're saying. The fear is that it's like on that same knee that he's had surgeries on for ACLs as well. So they just don't know how it's going to heal and how quickly he can be back. He's on the 10 day IL right now, for sure. He's not going to be back in 10 days. I'd say at minimum, you're probably looking at a month Yeah, and that's about how, that's about how long he was out just with his sore bruised knee to start the year. So I, I would guess that's the minimum that he's out. It's not a fully torn meniscus is what they have said though. It's, it's like a partial, like slight tear, but anytime you hear torn meniscus, it doesn't, it's not good. So I didn't see it. Did do you know how he got injured? Yeah, in the game yesterday, during uh, it was a it was a day game against uh, Oakland on Memorial Day. He in like late in the game, eighth inning, there was a shot out to center, and he tried to leap for a ball and kind of like stretched kind of awkwardly, and I think he landed kind of awkwardly too. You couldn't uh, tell, like just like through the play, like he got he like he fielded the ball, got it back in just fine, but then all of a sudden, like when his turn came up in the lineup that next inning, he was out. So Dang. Um, that's, he, he tweaked it there somehow. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but that was, it was on that play. Sophomore slump. Womp womp. Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, he was, it sucks. It's just shitty timing because he was, he was starting to kind of come out of yeah. his like initial slump to the season. Like he had a very slow start to the year. And he had his batting average up to about 250 or so. He yeah. was starting to hit some home runs and stuff. Like he was at five. And I mean, it's going to be pretty tough to catch Hanniger, especially if you don't trade him with 14. Um, but like Lewis is a guy that could have gone on like a tear. You know, he gets three or four in a week or in like maybe like five, like seven or eight in a two week span. Um, and he's right there. So. Connor, as our uh, resident Mariners injury. expert, can I ask you a question? Yeah, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but the yeah, resident I, Mariners yeah. expert on the podcast. Context so. here. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, do you think the Mariners should trade Hanniger? Because I have my own thoughts, no. but I'm not as close. Yeah, I agree. Like no. at some point we have it, to stop trading players, right? Correct. Yeah, they're not they're not they're not really in the rebuilding phase anymore. They're not in like the they're in the retooling phase. And Hanniger is a great guy to have like a great veteran bat to have in a lineup. Like you, like you're not trading for prospects at this point anymore. And that's, that's what you would be doing. If you'd be dealing Hanniger, like if you're dealing Hanniger, you better be getting someone that's like 21, 22, basically major league ready that can slot in your lineup day one next year. Um, and I don't think that they would get that kind of return for Hanniger at this point in his career. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, ownership. It, it's, it's been widely regarded that like, and speculated that he was going to get traded at the deadline this year. 
So it's it's certainly possible and not out of the cards, but I I don't think it would be worth it just from where they're at as an organization in the rebuild. I don't think it makes sense. Which I may have answered that differently at like going into this year, but just based on like what I've seen, like as far as the pieces and where they're at in their development, I think it'd be a valuable piece, especially like the next couple of years. My limited knowledge agrees. I mean, at some point as a fan, as a loose fan, like you have to show progress. And if you keep doing the cycle of rebuilding and trading away right. your best stars, like you're no closer than when you started. Right. So. Well, and you're also talking about trying to keep the fans engaged. Right. <laughs> you trade one of like the three guys that they can name on the team. That's not a great recipe for success there. Right. And I mean, I think you you guys would be perfect examples of that, that like two guys that probably have watched maybe what one or two games this year and not super into the team. Like if they trade one of their, like one of the guys on the team, on the team that you can name without really doing yeah. a lot of research, how does that gauge your interest? You know? So um, that's that, I think that that's a piece that shouldn't be overlooked as well with this. So yeah connor you'll have to refresh my memory on what was our bet for the rbis again because whatever that is it's coming your way because there's no way kelnick is catching hand yeah it was at basically this point. yeah it was basically you just thought that kelnick was going to lead the team in rbis yeah but didn't we have a wager like if he did you were going to oh. get me a nice bottle of whiskey i forget am i getting you like it was just beer yeah yeah i'll get some montuckies said... or something yeah it wasn't like it it wasn't like the cheapest of the cheap, but it wasn't also like nice beer. Like it was. What is nice beer? Montuckies. Like how much would nice beer run? Like, craft. is it just like a craft, like $12 six pack? Elysian or, you yeah. know, Elysian or. I'll get you a nice beer. Or, or, or a micro brewery, like a, you know, a Fremont something or whatever. But yeah, I'm. Here's I'm what, not here's what I'll you know do. Me. Here's what I'll do. Assuming this holds true and I'm going to lose this bet which all <laughs> early indicators point to being the case. Hey man, he's going to get on a tear. You just never know. You never know. Trade Hanniger. It could have trade Seeger. It would, just all the make, guys that are ahead of him are going to get traded. It would make that whiskey that much more sweet, but I will, <laughs> if my uncles get their brewery up and running by the end of the season over in Spokane, Spokaneite brewery, nice. I'll get you a six pack from there. I like it. Yeah. I like it. But it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not, not. Not from your end, at least. No. No. Um, yeah. So, like, on that note, Kelnick, obviously, uh, I think the last time we recorded Sam and we talked a little bit of Mariners, he was just about to make his debut. And he has struggled heavily. And we said that that could be a possibility. I don't think either of us thought he would struggle quite this much. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked. And I don't really think that it's. I think he's gotten pretty unlucky too. Like, I don't think it's like fully him just like not being ready. Um, I think he's ready. I think it's just, he's, he's, he's been pitched really tough. He's hit some balls hard right at guys too. Um, it's just been kind of, he's, he's also gotten some really bad, like strike three calls, like called strike threes on him like a few times too. Um, so he, he, he has not been dealt the easiest hand to begin his career. I don't know what this means. He might get sent back down. Um, and I think Oof. the Kyle Lewis injury probably 
at least puts that off for another week or two. Um, I don't think they want to send him back down, but if it's good for his development and he needs to get some confidence back and just get back to raking again, um, it's not, I mean, that, that's what you do. You, you send guys back down. That's why they have these options. Um, Taylor Trammell just did it and he came back up today and hit a home run and he was raking back down in Tacoma. And before that he was struggling a lot in the big leagues to start the year. So something like that could be coming for Kelnick. Um, I think also just working in some more days off so he can, the one thing about being a baseball player is you're playing every day, right? And those days off, not only are they valuable from a health standpoint, but also you, you get a different perspective. Cause you like, obviously have been like, especially if you're like struggling with a bunch of things and you're working on a bunch of things, then you take a day off and you look at the game, you watch the game and you're looking at what other guys are doing to have success or other guys struggles. And you kind of learn from that, um, from that perspective. So they did it, I think like a week or week and a half ago, and he came back and had a couple pretty good games right after that. So I feel like they probably just need to give him another day off at some point and, and see what that does for him but I would not be shocked at all if he, if he got sent back down um, even just for a few weeks. So um, I think, I think it's going to be tough to do that with Kyle Lewis coming back or sorry, uh, being back on the IL again. Um, I just don't know what the bodies look like at that, in that outfield at that point, but we'll see. I will say that Logan Gilbert though, the other guy that made his debut on the same day as Kelnick uh, got off kind of to a rough start also, but, has been showing signs of progress and improvement and had a really good outing yesterday. Um, I think he had six innings pitched and two earned runs or something like that. So a quality start there. I think that's his first quality start in the big leagues. So hopefully he can build off of that. And um, he's got great stuff. It's just mixing in his other pitches. He's got a, he's got a plus fastball, but what you'll hear people talk about is that it's straight. So it's very hittable. So he's got to learn to either like locate that or put an arm angle on that so that there's a little bit of movement to his fastball. Sorry, nerdy baseball talk there, but I'm just telling you what I've seen as far as just Logan Gilbert kind of, and, and, and what I've, what I've seen and then what I've heard from, from Logan Gilbert starting the big leagues. Um, one question that I do want to pose to both of you guys, and we might all have the same answer here. I've kind of teased it to you guys, I guess, who I think it's going to be. But who do you guys think is the next guy to get called up? This is the year of call-ups. This is the year in the rebuilding process where we start to see the pieces that are going to be kind of the namesakes of this Mariners organization for years to come, or at least that's what they hope. That's what they're building towards. Who do you think is that next name to watch for to make his major league debut? I don't know. That's a tough one. I think you could go pitcher and look at like a George Kirby potentially. You could also, I mean, I don't know what the plan is with Julio. That's too soon for him, but those are the two names off the top of my head. Same with George Kirby. I mean, granted George Kirby has been dominating high A. Yeah. And same with with Julio. Like those guys could get moved up. I think they should get moved up to triple A soon. And they could skip double A, but chances are at least one of those guys is going to end up in double A first. They could be 
candidates possibly if they if if they are able to succeed like they have been in in high a at both double and triple a they could be a september call-up they could be candidates to do that um i see probably a couple other guys probably coming up before that that are like in the triple a organization right now um justin i don't want to steal the thunder so if you have anyone that you wanted to say to be honest, I am not the best person to answer this question. I know and if, if you don't have an answer, that's fine too. I just I I know Julio obviously. Um, I think Wyatt Mills was a name that people were talking about, but I think he's been called up, right? Yeah, um, he's been in. Yeah, he he here. went up and then went back down. I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I I don't really have a name that comes to mind to be honest with you. My name is uh, catcher Cal Raleigh. And he's been, yeah, I didn't think um, of him absolutely raking down in Tacoma. And the catching position has been a bit of a struggle to say the least, I would say, to start the year um, for the Mariners. And for sure, I would say the highest upside bat out of anyone in the organization right now is Kyle Raleigh. If they're trying to get the offense going a little bit, especially at a, you know, a position that you don't typically see a lot of offense come from. And he can DH too. He's been DHing a shitload for um, the Rainiers as well. And he's a plus defensive catcher. Like I, I don't know why they've waited this long, honestly. Yeah, we haven't gotten shit out of our catchers this year. Yeah, no, I mean that makes sense. Luis Torrens is tearing it up back down in AAA, but he was absolutely sucking um, in in the MLB. I think he's like your typical quad a player like he's never really going to be a good major leaguer but he'll rake in triple a yeah um i'm ready to see cal though like i think i think he's shown enough in triple a he's he i think just tonight was like three for four with like two doubles again um and a home run so it's just like i don't it's it's it, it should be any day at this point um they obviously just they'll have to make a move. They made a couple moves like last week that I thought that that's when it was going to happen, but then they ended up signing like Jacob Nottingham off the waivers, and they just got some other catcher too off of waivers, I think. So maybe they're just trying to delay that call up a little bit more, but there's really no reason to at this point. Um, if they're going to challenge Kelnick like they have. And they think he's ready. I think Cal Raleigh is a leave, an even more seasoned prospect, and he's ready to go at this point. So yeah. I, I would look for that call up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, he's hitting 361 right now. That's we could use some of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not a, not if we're trying to win games, right? If we're not, no. then he'll stay yeah. down there. Yeah. Which maybe they aren't. I don't know. I never know what the Mariners. So that's that's my name to circle. Um, definitely keep an eye out for Cal Raleigh. Uh, he's, he's a talented catcher. I, I'd be excited to see him up. He, he could also factor into first base a little bit too, where if we don't know when Evan White's going to be back from the IL, if they think that's going to take any longer, he could play some first base as well. So, all right, football time. Let's talk some Hawks. Big, biggest news, I guess, to come out of the last couple of weeks is that the schedule was released. So let's pull that up. I should have had that ready. Um, but I know for a fact that they have a very tough beginning of the season, um, that being the Seahawks. 
Yeah, we got. We go to Indianapolis, then we come home and play Tennessee, then we go to Minnesota, and then we get into the division games here and play San Fran. Yep. Los Angeles and LA, Rams. like back to back, right? Yeah, that's yep. that's a rough start. So like, and then to Pittsburgh. I, yeah, it's those first six games really. In a regular year, you'd circle that New Orleans game too. But yeah, no but Drew who Brees knows? Now, so who knows what that um, they're gonna look like without Drew Brees? You're right. Yeah. So I I'm not circling that one yet, but those I mean that those first six games that's a. I mean that's that's hard. That's a difficult start to the year. What is a, what is a reasonable record like out of those first six games? Like what I mean, would you, you guys gotta, be happy with? Got to beat the Colts, right? Sure. I mean we've had Carson Wentz's number. ideally. So you beat yeah, the Colts. I mean it. Titans at home. Titans are f- fucking good. <laughs> They're good, but <laughs> but it's home game with fans in a long time. Yeah, first home game. Let's just True. say they're gonna it's be like, fired up near full capacity at that point middle mm-hmm. of september so mm-hmm. i'd be surprised probably if it wasn't. yeah probably win that game i think it's going to be really tough but i just have a hard time seeing us losing in lumens field <laughs> so are we what, so do we want to go and circle Seahawks the games Stadium. or are we going game by game and saying like our win loss record what do you want to do I feel like that would take a long time. Okay. <laughs> With well, we don't crew. have to go through the whole um, schedule, but maybe I, yeah. I wanted I wanted games. to go through the first six games just because yeah. that's like that's a tough gauntlet there. Yeah, it's almost um, like a reverse. And then maybe other... just a couple other a couple other games that like you're just like interested in, or yeah. maybe some of the primetime games, or like what's a game that you're like we win this game and we win the division type thing, like that kind of stuff. It feels like so. a reverse of other years where our gauntlet has been the back half, so it's the first half this season yeah where i would say the back half mostly is pretty light especially the last six games or so yeah um five games maybe um the colts game is going to be tough right like you're opening up 10 a.m um full house in indianapolis wentz you know i don't think super highly of wentz but new coach with new schemes not scouted before um could be interesting. I think that could be tough. The Colts are actually favored in that game, so it's going to be a tough game. I think the Seahawks win that. They have a really good defense. Their defense yeah. is legit, but yeah, can we block? I don't know. And they Questions have Jonathan Taylor at running back. Yeah, yeah. just going uh, into a second year. So I just feel like with the quarterback issues they're going through right now, like it's so unproven. Wentz was mm-hmm. awful last year. I mean. Well, but he he's got Frank Reich back, right? Like he is. He, so, who I mean, was that's... the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia when he was, you know, going to Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls and stuff? So, that yeah. could, it could but, come back. I mean, but, but he's not used to the offense or the players and you know the playbook necessarily. He might be Frank Reich might tailor it to him, and that would be the smart thing to do. But I don't know why we're assuming that Carson Wentz is the starter. Isn't Jacob Eason going to be the starter? Oh God, no please um okay in the first six i think we lose at the vikings i think that's going to be a tough game especially coming off the back of a tough tennessee game which i think Mm -hmm. is going to be really close and then i think we lose one of the 49ers the rams and the steelers games 
I have a hard time believing. I take the, two and one out of that. I think we win two. Um, the Rams and Steelers are both in prime time, which historically shouldn't mean much, but the Seahawks have done so well in prime yeah. time. I don't know if it's the action. Green. Rams are on a short week, but it short is a week home, on the so. road. We played the Rams, I think two years ago in a Thursday night game where they should have beat us, but they missed the, the, field, goal. <laughs> the field goal. So the Seahawks won by one in the action green. Um, yeah. I imagine the Seahawks will wear the same uniform. So I, I think we start four and two with a yeah. loss at the Vikings and then a loss in one of those other games. Yep. I'm yeah. on the same wavelength. I think we'll go four and two. I think from week two to week five, we'll have two losses. I think we might lose. Yeah. I think we could lose to the Titans, Vikings, 49ers and Rams. I think if I think we'll drop two of those games, but win two. So I think yeah. we'll go two and two on that stretch. And I do think we'll beat the Colts in the home opener or sorry, the season opener in Indy. And then I do think we'll also beat the Steelers prime time Sunday in Pittsburgh. With, with 10 days of rest in Pittsburgh too. Yeah, it's true. So I think it's, it's that middle stretch week two to week five. I think we dropped two games would be my realistic guess. Well, and by week six, Ben Roethlisberger is out, out for the year probably too, True, right? Yeah, so, probably. We're probably all right there. Yeah, I would take four and two. I mean, I I think that's... Oh, yeah. With, yeah given given that gauntlet, like I'd, I'd be pretty happy with four and two. Um, so I, I think even if you're talking three and three, it's not like the season's not lost at that point. That's, that's your all. toughest stretch right now right there and you could easily rattle off like six or seven in a row after that um and be in a pretty good place going into the final few weeks of the season so yeah um the only other game i I have circled circled is like a trouble spot is if 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 aaron Rodgers is still with the packers going to lambeau in november i mean anytime after the the bye week we are after after the bye week it is true it is true but Ah, man i don't know that's a really tough game for us uh um, yeah, we I always say it's, we we own aaron Rodgers, man since not when? in green bay though <laughs> yeah in green bay it's torn apart our defense i um, hate aaron Rodgers with a passion oh my god he's good um no i'm listen i'm going off on a tangent right now oh i just god. have the passion for it so i'm gonna do it listen here we go <clears throat> aaron Rodgers, arm talent great sure whatever but <laughs> I'm sick and tired of Skip Bayless and all these talking heads. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. He's a bad man. He's got one Super Bowl, right? Like, you play for one of the best franchises, one of the best run organizations. I know everybody's going to throw their hands up in the air with the whole offseason drama and not catering to Aaron Rodgers, whatever. It's not just this offseason, though. Yeah, like but they the haven't re- catered to him for years, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I, my reality I, is like, let's not talk about him like he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time because he's not. You can't be. He's okay. Yeah. Yes. He's not, he's not one of the greatest of all time. He has, he's probably one of the most talented of all time. Yeah. He might be one of the most God given talented players that we've seen, but like he's an awful leader, which is what you need. At court, I mean, what are you shaking it's your head for? Of course stuff. he is. I'm, He's not, I'm, not shaking, I'm not shaking my head. Okay, okay, I'm, okay. I'm going. I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah. I agree I'm just with like, I'm tired of people putting him in the same category of like the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, yeah. the Joe Montana's. Like, he's just not that. 
He's Dan Marino. He's really good. People are going to talk about him for a long time. But, like, what'd you do? He's like a notch below Drew Brees for me. That's a tough yeah, one. Yeah. I, I feel don't like, know about that. I feel, yeah. I feel like they're kind of in the same boat. Like, Drew Brees, again, only one Super Bowl. And this is where it's like, yep. hey, Seahawks fans, wake the hell up. Like, Russell Wilson's been in the league for how long now? Eight, nine, ten years, probably. Nine years? Yeah. Going He's into going his into his season, tenth, I think. Or mm-hmm. tenth, yeah. So, like, you look at these all-time great quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, they only won one. It is so hard to get multiple Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. I think we have a chance to, but, like, I don't know. I just can't stand – listening to people talk about Aaron Rodgers like he's the best thing since sliced bread because it's bullshit. He's really a good, talented arm, and he's definitely a top-five quarterback in the league right now. But, like, I mean, he was an MVP last down. year. But why? 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 <laughs> uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Sam, like, you know, if, if you're a top-five quarterback in this league and you're unhappy – it's a big problem for any franchise, right? Like, look what the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson. They were on, he, he was very unhappy, went to the media. I know you've been on many tangents oh, about this, right? But the Seahawks worked with Russell way more than the Packers have with Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. And so I think that's his gripe. He sees, and I agree, Tom Brady way better than Aaron Rodgers' career. Um, Tom Brady has gone to the Buccaneers and gotten what he's wanted and worked around. And same thing with Patrick Mahomes in his young career in Kansas City, walked into a great situation there. So I think Aaron goes the, to this and, you know, his personality, he's a little bit of a jealous type and yeah, sees all bit. this. Yeah, sees all this, uh, all these environments. He's like, what the hell in Green Bay? They're just taking defensive players in all of these drafts and not helping me. Uh, get offensive weapons and then you know it's not a sexy place to go to as a free agent to go to live in green bay wisconsin so i think he's a little peeved i don't know i don't think he needs that much help on offense he's a goddamn mvp so obviously he's doing fine statistically (laughs) so uh what kind of help do you want aaron do you maybe want a defense to keep the other team from scoring points so you can win another super bowl or what's the deal Anyways, I think the Packers game <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers could be a tough game. Yeah. Um, I have Aaron a tough, Rogers there. Yeah. yes, I have a tough time going through this and seeing, and this is my Seahawks green and blue tinted goggles on. I have a tough time finding more than five losses. Um, the back half yep. of that schedule, I see you could split with the 49ers. Obviously you could split with the Rams. We talked about the beginning of the schedule, but that back half, You have teams like Washington, who's not going to be as good as last season. You have the Texans, you have the Lions, you have the Bears, Lions and Bears both at home. Yeah. Ah, I don't know, guys. I mean, it's hard to see. I've circled that Chicago game just because I think Justin Fields is definitely starting by then. Probably, for sure. That could just be fun. So The game that I have circled just out of pure interest is the Jacksonville game. Not that like yeah. I think it's going to be a tough game, but I'm definitely going to tune Lawrence. in. Yeah. Halloween, well, Timmy Tebow. That's what I'm interested in. Baby. Oh God! <laughs> Starting well, Q, don't, don't QB one. They, they ended up with Etienne too, didn't they? They did. Isn't it? Isn't it Lawrence and Etienne? There? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they selected. I was a surprise pick. 
Yeah. Well, right after. Wasn't there a bunch of hoopla around Etienne running like the OTAs at wide receiver only? Oh, really? I didn't even see I that. I didn't see that. Yeah. People were like, what the hell's going on in Jacksonville? Etienne's been running in wide receiver drills. Trevor Lawrence is actually your starting fullback and Tim Tebow is your starting quarterback and you're running triple option the entire time. Maybe Urban knows something we don't (laughs) run the football. (laughs) Who knows? Well, Jacksonville gets, is getting those uh, Jersey sales though with Tim Tebow. Oh yeah. In a big way. So that makes their franchise relevant for once. I I feel like that's such a PR signing though. It is. Can we talk about jerseys for a second? Because I had a thought today. And you guys are probably going to chastise me for it. So I figured I'd just give you the opportunity to do so live on the podcast. But right. okay. Buddha Baker changing his number to number three, my favorite player in the NFL, my favorite number. I kind of want to get a Cardinals Buddha Baker jersey, but I can't because they're a division opponent. Like, <clears throat> where do you fall on that? Like you can see where I'm coming from. You can understand yeah. the urge, but it just doesn't feel right. Like, can you not that. just make like a custom Buda Baker Husky jersey or something? I could, but there's just something about him being such a good NFL player that like, ah, oh. speaking of which PFF, Justin, I don't ever want to hear you talk about PFF <laughs> ever again in my life because they came out with their position rankings and they ranked Buda Baker the 16th best safety in the league right now. That is blasphemous. It's garbage. That's garbage it. for yeah. sure. But that means I can't talk about advanced analytics ever again on the podcast. That's not the case. Just don't do it. It's um, a bunch of hot garbage. Sam, no, we, need, once... we need that, Sam. We need that because then you guys argue it's great. You once told me, Sam, that you would never buy a jersey for someone that's younger than you because yeah. you feel like that representing a play- somebody that's younger than you doesn't feel right. Yeah, but I you're willing to break the rule for some Arizona Cardinals player that happened to play for your school and is your favorite player. You named your whoa, 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 whoa. Can you whoa, let me finish? Whoa. Can you let me finish? Happened to play for my favorite team? That's a hometown hero. What do you mean happened to play for my favorite Played team? for your favorite team. I, was, I didn't right. mean that derogatorily. Yeah. Played for your like favorite. Okay. I retract. He played for your favorite team. You named your dog after him, but he also <laughs> plays for it. Seahawks rival. I okay. named his dog after after. Yeah, me. I, I give naming after. rights to Connor for sure. I actually didn't know that, but um, he plays for the Seahawks rival. Um, you yeah, can't I'm, do it. I'm not gonna do it, but I thought about it get, today. Get a Buda Baker Seahawks jersey because it should have happened at true in the Malik McDowell. Oh my god, yeah. it should have. Oh, it should have happened. Well, that settles that. Anyway. I, I won't get the jersey. But I guess going back to the schedule, I do think one of the themes here, though, that we haven't talked about yet is the NFC West is tough. I mean, yeah, I could mm-hmm. the Cardinal. I don't think I feel confident saying that we're going to win against the Cardinals. The Rams will be interesting to see what goes on with the Stafford experiment there. But yeah, I think that's an upgrade, at least in the short term from goof. Sure. And then the 49ers, if they're healthy, that defense, that defensive front yep. is also scary. So I think really talking about the schedule, like it's fun to go through these out of conference or out of division opponents, but really 
like it is year in year out, but this year in particular with how strong our division opponents are, the success of this season is going to come down to how well we play against those teams. Yep. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I think the division will come down to the division record. Like it certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you you could make a case for any of these teams winning the division. I think it's wide open. Not, I wouldn't say that each argument would be uh, as strong as the others. Yeah, like I mean, there's there's for sure I would say lead. Like I think I I think it's probably I think probably the Seahawks are like yeah. a slight favorite at this point. But I mean, if if the Niners can stay healthy, that's like what they couldn't do last year. If the Niners stay healthy, Trey um, Lance and then the yeah, I mean, if yeah. Trey, who knows? Uh, who knows? I mean, it. I think I think they'll probably start it. I I still think that they're probably going to start the year off with Jimmy G, but they should. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I mean, if 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 Trey Lance gets in there, you know, like after a few games and he starts balling out, like shit, dude. I mean, Niners yeah. can be pretty damn good. So I Cardinals. I think it's the card. I think it's the Cardinals or the Seahawks. If Chandler Jones is there the full season for the Cardinals defense. Oh, I don't know. I think Kyler Murray's pretty damn good, and that defense is legit. Well, and they signed uh, – I mean, he's a complete shell of his former self, but they signed A.J. Green too, right? Mm-hmm. And so, J.J. Watt falls under that Watt. category. That's who I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of had both of them in mind, but I was I was thinking about the receiving core just with Hopkins and, and A.J. Yeah. Green and – did Fitz ever even sign anywhere? Not yet. Or is he? He's still he should, out there. I hope they re-sign him. I would love yeah, Fitz to be. There. I feel like he's either going to resign with Arizona or just retire. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, you're right, Sam. It's it's going to come down to those division games, and always does. Um, I do find it a little bit interesting that, like, obviously we end the year off with a division game at Arizona. But usually you have like I feel like the last like three division games are like in the la- like packed in the last like four or five weeks, and it's not really as much the case this year. Like our last game against San Francisco is in week thirteen, and then we play at Houston, and then we have at LA the Rams in week fifteen, and then we play two out of division games, and then in week eighteen, which is still weird saying. Uh, at Arizona is that last game on January 9th. So yeah. now I can't have playoff football on my birthday because playoff football is going to be the week after my birthday and it's going to be week 18 is going to be my birthday. Yeah. So whatever. Well, you still got I'll, football. I'll, you still got yeah. football on your birthday. It's better than me. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh, I can't complain too much. I'm just a grumpy old man. All right. Uh, any other schedule talk that you guys wanted to, touch on i have a couple other seahawks notes that i just wanted to touch yeah. on here not really i think Most... week week 16 week 17 chicago bears detroit lions i think that's really nice i think yeah. both of those teams are not going to be good this year and so i think mm-hmm. to your point ending the season with a couple of lighter opponents like that will be you know with injuries mounting up and you know race for seeds in the playoff bracket I think it's really refreshing and nice to know that you kind of have those two opponents, especially the Lions. Their Lions are going to be awful. Guaranteed. Lions are going to be so bad. 
And their coach looks yeah. like an awful hire too. <laughs> Bite him in the kneecap. <laughs> Dan Campbell's a yeah. weird dude. Weird dude. All right. Well, speaking of receivers from like, you know, two minutes ago, a particular receiver that has been arguably the best receiver in the NFL for many years is unhappy in Atlanta. And um, there's a number of teams that are clamoring for his services. It sounds like and trading Atlanta for, for Julio Jones. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that any of the NFC teams are probably favored to get him. It sounds like it's the Titans or the Patriots likely, but the Seahawks did, did come up in the news as inquiring about Julio Jones um, and, and just kind of like John Schneider and Pete, Pete Carroll do being involved in just about everything. So what do you guys amount this, this chatter to like, obviously he's also been speculated to like the Rams and the Niners have both been tied to him as well. It sounds like the Rams are kind of out at this point, but the Niners are still tied to him. I mean, is this just Pete and John doing their homework? Like they're always kind of in on everything. Is this legit? Like, do you think that like there's an actual legit chance that they sign Julio Jones or is this like smoke and mirrors trying to like maybe bid up the price for Julio Jones, just in case the Niners are really making a hard push for him. Either one of you. Uh, I think it's a combination of all those things. I think it's a serious, you know, inquiry though. I mean, yeah. in the NFL, you have a lot of teams that have three solid wide receivers. Now this would be probably the best three wide receivers in the league, right? If you, have Oh Julio yeah. Jones, DK Without the upside, the upside would be immense. Yes. Right. Um, and you know, having a three wide receiver set with, um, my God, I'm blanking. Who's our tight end? New tight end signed from the Gerald Everett. Yeah. Um, Gerald Everett. As the main tight end sounds really juicy. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, would, would. We get, what, would we get Julio <laughs> to run the ball more though? Is the question that would yep. be very infuriating. Best um, downfield blocker at the wide receiver position. Gotta have him. <laughs> Um, or could we block in time for the concepts that Shane Waldron wants to run? I think the prospects are really juicy. Can we restructure contracts to make it work? We don't have enough cap space as of today to make Thanks, it work. Russ. Thanks, sure. Russ. Thanks, I, Russ. I think as Connor, we were chatting offline, there are ways to make it work, but we'd have to oh, restructure yeah. Russ or they can more make it likely work Bobby or someone. Um, but I think it's a serious inquiry because could you imagine DK Metcalf, Julio, and then like Tyler in the slot? It's just stupid. Who you guard? They might even play Julio in the slot, dude. They could, they could do that too. And yeah. then we have well, the kid that we just drafted slot, from yeah. uh Western Michigan. So Dwayne Esker, right. yeah. So that would ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, I echo the same sentiments. I think there's a lot that could be playing into this. I definitely think it's a legitimate inquiry. Why wouldn't you? He's you know. When he's at his best, he's still arguably the best wide receiver in the game, even though he's getting older. And, you know, look at someone like DK, and that's kind of the trajectory we're thinking. So you pair them up together. That would be awesome. I think the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that is absolutely maybe the most, you know, mostly influencing, no, mostly influencing why, Pete and John have been so outspoken about this. It's it's stroking Mm. Russell Wilson's ego here. Like 
this is this is you know in the media with with how the media has linked Julio Jones to the Seahawks. It's been widely you know talked about that Julio and Russ have been texting. They've been talking to each other about joining up in the Seahawks uniform. So. I think there's definitely an element there as well in terms sure. of just like good faith with Russ. Again, going back to our earlier conversation, comparing how the Seahawks have reacted to Russell's demands as opposed to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. I think this is just another example of that where Pete and John are showing good faith to Russ. Like, hey, we'll we'll not leave a stone unturned and if there's a way that we can make this work. Like, why wouldn't we? So I think that's also another element feeding into this talk as well. But I mean, I would be pumped to get Julio Jones. I don't know who wouldn't be. I think at that point it becomes, you know, at what cost, like what does it take to get him? And we've seen ourselves trade away first round draft picks for Jamal Adams, Percy Harvin back in the day and Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham. I don't think we've, we don't have a good track record of really acquiring those top notch players in trade acquisition. So I'd be a little nervous in terms of what it's going to cost, but sure. I mean, I echo Justin's sentiments, having Julio Jones, DK and Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett, Chris Carson, Russell Wilson. I like that. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. For sure. And you look at this Seahawks team and you look at either side of the ball and which side of the ball has the most upside for sure. It's the offense, right? Like, like as Mm -hmm. far as like, what, what, what could you cater around that could become elite? And many people say out there that to make a Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl, you have to have a side of the ball that is elite, right? So you'd go back to the Kansas city chiefs, you know, elite, elite offense, right. With Patrick Mahomes, you go back to the Hawks, like back when they won it in 2013, elite, elite defense, Baltimore Ravens, number of years ago, elite, elite defense. And this is a, a trend that you see, you go back in all, all the Super Bowl winners and like elite offense, like I'm talking like top three to five offense or defensive side, of, like as far as like side of the ball in that Super Bowl, right? What about Sam, the 2020 Bucks? defense they also had tom brady yeah but like their offense wasn't quote unquote i mean their defense was pretty especially at the end of the year their defense was really good yeah that's the only one as i'm thinking especially their pass rush one Mm -hmm. i mean maybe that's the only team that i look at that's like that's just a really they're not necessarily by your definition top three or five on either side but they're probably five to ten on both sides of the ball yeah, it's really, really hard to get that kind of balance yeah. on a team. Like, I think that's eh, – I don't know if I'd say that's the harder way to do it, but, like, it's well, more get, common. If you can get your quarterback to, you know, not be a, a greedy bastard, then that might help. We're going down this again. <laughs> to get us back on tra- track, all I was saying is that if they are going to upgrade one side of the ball, <laughs> it's going to be the offense, Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm following you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I know yeah, you are. I agree. I agree. I mean, even um, if you look at the Super Bowl yeah. losers. I mean, they are usually in that category as sure. well. Just to, it, make to it get to a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl in yeah. general. Yeah. 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 For sure. Like you have to have that elite side of the ball. And I mean, the Seahawks' offense for the first half of the year was elite last <laughs> year, and then they were definitely not the second half of the year. Um, 
And then, I mean, the defense was never elite last year, right? Like, I mean, they played a lot better the second half of the year, but that was after being absolutely atrocious the first half of the year. So you look at the context of that, and they're probably really like a good defense, not really even like a great defense. Truly elite, though. For sure, it's going to be the offensive side of the ball. And a third wide receiver is like the key to unlocking that on this offense as far as like the full potential of utilizing the weapons that you have at your disposal and utilizing Russell Wilson in his prime. Um, You could argue like upgrading the offensive line. I think they've kind of already done what they're going to do there though. And I think people say like, Oh, they should just upgrade the center position or whatever, instead of like getting someone like Julio, there's no one out there to get. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. At least not at this point, right? Maybe there maybe there's a mid-season acquisition and maybe you leave room for something like that to happen. Um, but if you're going to make a move right now and you're going for it, which you have to at this point. I mean, Russ Russ has openly stated basically that this is a year-to-year situation with him and the Seahawks. So you need to go like and I've I've said this also before on this podcast is that this is a make or make break year for this Seahawks franchise. Like if you don't make an NFC championship this year, I have a hard time believing that Russ is not going to pull the same bullshit that he did this last off season. It's probably going to be even worse. Like, yeah, that's, that's what's on the line this year. And if, if that happens, if he's out, like you're starting over at that point, like you're, you're building around some pieces that are on the team, but you're starting over at quarterback. Like this is not, I'll take the bait at that point. I'll take the bait. All right. So we're not going to get to the NFC championship. We blow it up. The Chicago bears obviously want Russell Wilson. So we trade Justin Fields. We get Justin Fields on that rookie contract, baby. That's gold. Rebuild. I don't think they would trade it, dude. I don't think they would trade him. You don't think they'd, they'd be dumb to Fields for Russ? Well, let's. I mean, let's see what Fields does this year. But we need a lot that rookie. More. That rookie, like that rookie QB contract, is, is a, so valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's Say, so underrated in today's NFL. Week, what is it? Week sixteen. We play Chicago. Justin Fields beats the Seahawks. Uh-huh. We yeah. don't go to the NFC Championship. We make a blockbuster trade with Chicago, sends Russ there. We get Justin Fields, and we're off on a decade of success. <laughs> that's, that's that's your prediction wow. at this point. And that's not wow. my prediction, but like, if your situ- if your prediction of NFC Championship or bust is legit, mm. I could for sure see something like that happening. Yeah. Maybe without the decade of success, but <laughs> I mean, Pete's Pete's gonna be on his way out here in a few years. I think I don't know. He's yeah. getting old, dude. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating off season for this Seahawks team and continues to be. Um, I'm, and it'll be a I'm fascinating see what season. Happens. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really cool season to watch. <clears throat> For sure. The only other name that I want to bring up here, and I guess I kind of did this out of order because we already talked about that. I think that we would both upgrade the offensive side of the ball, but the other name that has been kind of talked about, at least in Seattle media circles is Stefan Gilmore and trading for him um, from the Patriots had a down year last year, but was a former defensive player of the year for the Patriots just a couple of years ago. 
um, an elite cornerback um, when he's when he's playing at his best and upgrading maybe a position that needs it a little bit more at, at cornerback. Which of those two would you be more interested in? I think you'd probably obviously get Stefan Gilmore on a better deal or probably cheaper than Julio Jones, but I don't know. Maybe not, because I think Stefan Gilmore is also a little bit younger than Julio. So I would want Julio. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we're all in agreement there. I just wanted to throw that out there. But yeah. go ahead. I'm intrigued by some of these new defensive backs we've got. I think Witherspoon yeah. is going to be really, really good. I agree. In the Seahawks defense. And so I think while unproven, I I do anticipate that Seahawks fans will feel differently about our cornerback position by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't and I am saying I'm implying that I don't think that we need that big of an upgrade. Yeah, Which I, I guess you could make the same argument to wide receiver, but why not have more fancy toys like Julio Jones at your disposal? And you see yeah. a lot of teams have three really good wide receivers. Now they wouldn't be the three like we would have if we yeah. had Julio, but they have three good receivers. I have one quick question and then we'll move on. Uh, sure. Connor, you have something else. Uh, would you rather have no. Jamal Adams or Julio Jones? I saw this on Twitter the other day. Julio Jones. I was really. No, I probably would take Jamal. I, I'm shocked by that answer, Sam. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to Jamal. stir the pot. I'd probably take Jamal. I think he had a really good year last year in terms of pass rushing, but he was exposed. Yeah. I mean, he just needs to be better as a cover in coverage. Sure, sure. I think he was still learning like yeah. his role in our defense. I do too. Um, and I think the Seahawks were still learning how to use him too. I mean, you're. You're uh, Justin, I think what's clouding your mind right now, because I think you would say Julio, I think what's clouding your mind right now. <laughs> you don't know what I Can I make that assumption? I didn't PFF, what assumption. PFF says take Julio. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> you guys have the best opinion of me. I see where I fit. What in would be here. clouding your judgment though is the fact that we traded two first round picks for Jamal. Yeah. Was that trade worth it? Absolutely not. It was an awful I didn't trade. give you my answer, Connor. Okay, go ahead. I think it's a toss-up. Okay, so that's the same. Not, Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, keep going. Bit, yeah, yeah. So, so my argument remains. Okay. How how do you think Jamal Adams would be way more valuable than Julio to this team? Because I, I don't. See I just that. think he's. I, I think when he's at his peak, he's a top five defender in the league. Top three defender in the league. Wait, hmm. De- defender like of all defensive positions, or you're talking mm-hmm. about defensive back. Oh, well, or just I, defensive backs. No, defensive players. Like as far as just. Like, I, I guess I don't hold impact him in on that the same field. regard. Really? Yeah. Top three. His best, absolutely. Wow. Top five. Okay. No, was well, top three. Now it's top five. So what is it? <laughs> top five still pretty damn good. Better than well, anything yeah. you'd be getting with Julio. At this point, it's for huh. I. I I don't know that Jamal Adams is top five, but we'll save that one for another day. Also someone who's in the prime of his career. Like, well, I, there's also the situation, like, are we going to sign Jamal Adams to another contract extension? There's been a lot of rumors into that. Oh my God. Jamal Adams is only 25. Yes. Yes. What? Mm -hmm. He's on his rookie deal still. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hold on. I I recant anything I said bad about him. 
I thought he was like almost 30. No. No. He's still finding himself, dude. Like Okay. Yeah. Cat's no, gonna be this... good for he's gonna be real good for another like four to five years for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And wow. Julio, you might get another maybe a couple of years. I think two, maybe three production. Julio. Yeah. So I mean I, longevity is a huge thing for me just with the NFL. Like I if you're just literally looking at the two players on an even playing surface, just the yeah. value of having Jamal Adams, I think, is higher than Julio Jones. Yes. I think it's I a fair agree. question. I think it's 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 a good question, but I I would be hard pressed to argue Julio, I think, on in that scenario. Yeah, I'm shook. I had no idea that he was that young. If like you like take into context like how much we're about to pay Jamal Adams, like I'm not even talking about money right now. I'm talking about impact player on the field and longevity. So longevity like money and stuff like like. So I mean, you not, think not Jamal Adams would have but... way more impact on the field this year than Julio? On I think that it... defense probably. Like you take Jamal Adams out of that defense. It's not a very good defense. I don't think, but maybe I'm maybe I'm the only one here. I don't know. No, I I think if you're looking at it from a short-term perspective of next year, I think it's I think Jamal Adams is a, is the safer pick. I think I guess if, if so you're looking at basically what like I mean I guess that what would be what he was. Julio Jones upgrading your high, your your wide receiver three, mm-hmm. as opposed to Jamal Adams, like somewhat like a I don't know, a David Moore esque safety coming in for Jamal Adams instead, or Jamal Adams over like yeah. A David so you'd have safety instead of Penny Hart or Dwayne Eskridge as your third receiver. You have Julio Jones, mm-hmm. and then you have a Quandre Diggs and Marquise Blair some sort of backfield or Ryan Neal. I mean, you give the depth there. I, 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 I'm pretty high on Marquise Blair. He's just hasn't really seen the field, but. Um, Anyways, I don't, don't want to open the whole, Maybe, can of, I, I think, know. I think it's interesting. I think I might lean Julio. If you put him on the field, especially for the first year or two, I think there's a lot of different arguments you could argue about value yeah. and like sure. franchise stability and, it, and all that, but sure. Well, and all this depends on how they, how they use these guys too. Well, right. right. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't even know. I mean, if we run the ball, then yeah, obviously not. (laughs) I mean, name a better wide receiver blocking duo than DK and Julio. I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're probably the two of the biggest, strongest freaks at that position in the league. Yeah, they're both big. That's for sure. So, all right. I think that probably ends our Hawks talk for now. Yeah, should we slide in another Seattle pro team before we jump to the dogs? Sure. Did you guys sure. see the news about A-Rod? Alex oh, Rodriguez, yeah. Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. I did not see this. Garnett's, co- Garnett's coming in and blocking that shit, though, dude. Like, Maybe. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe. But... Well, like, well, I guess the we should just say Well, what's fan. the news? Yeah, I'm, so I'm... Alex Rodriguez is going to become a majority owner of the Timberwolves with one of his business partners in 2023, I think is the year that they become majority owners. And there's rumors through pretty reputable reporting at this point that 
A-Rod wants to relocate the team to Seattle. And then to Connor's point, the caveat is Kevin Garnett's looking at getting involved in the ownership for the Timberwolves, in which case, obviously, his allegiance would be to keep the team in Minnesota. I think it's fun just quickly to bring it up because it would be awesome. I think it would be interesting in terms of, you know, A-Rod's reputation with Seattle and just in general. But, I mean, that would be one way to repair some of the, the Seattle Mariners situation that he went through, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the NBA is going to pass up on the expansion fee for the Seattle market. It's going to be billions of dollars. So I don't know why they would relocate a team to Seattle at this point when I think the expansion route seems more likely, but it's some news worthy of, of conversation for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'd be surprised. I think that's maybe it's a backup plan because I feel like by 2023, they're going to be like in major talks about expansion at that point. Like it, it sounds like it's like within the next year, they're going to be talking about that and Seattle would be one of the first places that they'd be looking at. So I hope so. Have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes sense. (laughs) I would think so. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 certainly a story to keep your eye on, though. I, that's it's that's fair. So. And while we're on the topic of a Rod, I will say if you have not watched the Netflix documentary titled Screwball, definitely watch it. It's about the downfall of a Rod, and you'll be blown away with like his performance-enhancing drug scandal to end his career. What that was all started over, like something a little fight between two chumps in Miami was the downfall of a potentially all-time great. So it's a funny, it's a funny documentary. You should definitely check it out. Worth the watch. It's, it's a crazy story. Just figured I'd I plug that. that one. You should watch it. it. Yeah. yeah. Connor, you would love it. It's hilarious. They like reenact all the happenings with like little kids dressed up as like a rod and oh, all really? the other players. It's pretty, <laughs> there's a lot of like comedic relief in it for sure. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, nice. is it dog talk time? Oh, are you going to enter the conversation now, Sam? Yes. I'm here, ready to go. Where hey, do I start? Why don't you lead us off then? <laughs> uh, well, Recru- the, probably. Yeah, heck yeah. Recruiting dead period has ended. I forget exactly yep. when it started. Was it Feb? It was after signing day. March of 2020. Yeah, March of 2020. So what we mean by recruiting dead period is basically the physical contact that college coaches and staffs have been able to have with high school prospects has been zero for over a year now. And if you're not into the weeds on some of the recruiting, like Connor and I are that face-to-face contact coming and touring the facilities, meeting with coaches and players in person, one-on-one really getting a feel for the environment of that school is so important in terms of luring high school talent and particularly for the university of Washington, we're a little bit more of a traditional recruiting school in the sense that we're not really all about that flair and spice. Like, you know, our little brothers down South are always trying to come up with the, you know, the next marketing scheme to lure in these 17, 18 year olds, fake promises, all this and that, that's a topic for another day. But 
really bringing in, you know, you know, potential recruits to the university of Washington, showing them red square, showing them the quad, showing them Husky stadium, sailgating on Lake Washington, and then meeting with our coaches is so important. And so being able to finally bring people on campus as of 12 a.m. this morning on June 1st is really important. You've already seen that come to fruition. We've had a 2023 five-star recruit from, I think he's from Lincoln High School. Jaden Wayne was on campus yep. today. We already got our first commit from Mark Naboo. He's a offensive lineman from O'Day. And there is a lot of buzz around Jimmy Lake and this University of Washington coaching staff. Now that they're able to be more hands-on with these kids, I think you're going to see this uptick in recruiting that we probably anticipated with Jimmy Lake taking the helm. You hinted at it very strongly for yeah, the past year. You know. That we just like, we, you know, you can't grade his recruiting ability as a head coach based on the 2020 cycle, or mm -hmm. I suppose the 2021 class. Um, just because it was such a, a weird year with rules and when they could and couldn't contact players. So there's a lot of big news here. Um, like I mentioned, Jane and Wayne was on campus. Mark Naboo's already committed. But the big one is this weekend. Jalon Tui Malau, the number one player, regardless of position in the 2021 class, has not signed a letter of intent. He's not committed, which is really rare for it to extend this long i think he needs to make a decision in early he needs to enroll in like early july i believe yeah be by like mid-july yeah. yeah and so he'll be on campus this weekend by himself and you bet you're the he's the only official visit this weekend they're rolling the red carpet out for that guy and i'm gonna say it on the air write it down write it in stone i think he's gonna be wearing purple and gold and i think he might even lead the team in sacks for the Huskies if he does. I, he shit. is that good. I mean, he is a generation. No, you ha Huskies have never had a player like him ever commit. He'd be the number one commit we've ever. Like Shaq Thompson, great. That's the closest, yeah. But yeah. but not Shaq was. I think he was largely regarded as a top five, top ten recruit mm -hmm. nationally, regardless of position. You're talking one or two right now. JT was the number one player, regardless of position, freshman year through senior year of high school. Yep. Like, this is big time. And he's going to go take other visits. I think he's going to Alabama last. He'll also visit Ohio State, which is largely regarded as the favorite. And what's the – then, yeah. Oregon, Oregon and USC. Yeah, not going to happen. If he's going to stay on the West Coast, he's going, he's going to UW. And I think – If he ends up at Oregon – you will, we will come on this podcast and we will never forgive JT Tumalau for what he did. No, he'll be dead to me. I'll have to come up with some way to slander his name, just like You'll, Penis Sewell. Right. Yeah. We'll come up with, yeah, some kind of nickname. I don't know what it would be, but we, we won't have to do that, right, Sam? We won't have to do that. He's not going to go to Oregon. Correct. I think it's Ohio State or it's UW. So, that's the big news to keep an eye on, especially in the short term. Like he's going to have to make a decision in the next month or so. Um, and just the buzz around the insiders, the program is, I think there's some really exciting things on the horizon. You're going to see a lot of these kids come and visit in June. And 
I think the floodgates are going to open and Mark Naboo's commitment today is just the beginning. I hope I'm saying his last name right. I don't know. I think it's Naboo. I think you're right. I just think of Ayo Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's, he, I mean, he, he's a, what, he's a three-star. We, we should talk about him a little bit more. Three-star prospects um, out at local kid yep. uh, out of O'Day, like you said. Um, and I think a lot of people are pretty high on his tape though, from like the last like year and a half or so. And probably in a normal recruiting cycle, he would have launched up some boards and gotten some more offers. Um, he had, I mean, he had some other competitive offers. It was really us in Oregon state basically is what it came down yeah. to. And UW was the heavy favorite. So this is one of those commits that like, we thought it was going to happen. It was more of a matter of when, not if, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's good to have him in the fold and uh, added to that offensive line that could be a pretty damn good offense, offensive line class for 2022. Um, Josh Connerly, I think is the big one yeah. of that class that's local out of Rainier beach. Um, he projects to be a left tackle and largely consensus for five-star uh, recruit um and i think he's going to be on campus later in june possibly mm -hmm. um is what it sounds like um and if not then he'll be in on campus in the in the fall but i think they're trying to get him on campus in june and sounds like we have a pretty good shot at landing him but um i think i think it'd be an upset not to land him at this point yeah. but still obviously um one that we want to make sure that we lock him up um who are some other guys? Emeka Megwa, I know, is going to visit at the end of the month. These are a lot of 2022 guys. JT is the only 2021 guy that we'll talk about just because he's so late at, at committing. Yeah, it's kind of um, crazy. Like He can make a commitment in the next month and a half, and then two months later, he's suiting up for whatever college he chooses. That's not right. I, I'm not familiar with anything like that happening before. Right. Um, but yeah, Emeka Megwa is a hotshot running back. Um, out of California. I no, think. he's a Texas, Texas boy. That's right. Texas. Yeah. 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 That Texas pipeline is starting, starting to heat up, especially with the running backs. Um, so Mecca Megwa is another name to keep an eye on. Um, he's visiting, I think towards the end of the line. I think there's like three or four guys visiting like that last yeah. week of June. Yeah. And another think, one. We think that like two or three of them could commit right after that probably. Yeah. So. I think that will happen. I think Megwa is definitely a candidate for that. I think the other one that, in my opinion, is a hundred percent lock to commit after that visit at the end of June is Ryan Otten. Mm -hmm. Sound yep. familiar? He's Kate Otten's younger brother, also plays tight end down in Tumwater. I think it's just a matter of time. Again, like not not a matter of if, but when he'll commit, and so he'll be on campus that week as well. And I think a commitment from him will be imminent after he visits, and he's a highly regarded talent and yep. obviously the bloodlines kate otten is a surefire nfl tight end and i think ryan's on his way yeah and i think one of the other guys was like tafiti i think is his last name he's a linebacker yeah from hawaii mm -hmm. um, i think he's he's also supposed to visit that last weekend in june so we'll see what happens there's probably going to be some unofficials like in between now and then as well 
it's my guess. And I guess we should clarify that to our listeners. So the difference between an unofficial and an official visit is who pays for the trip, basically. Unofficial visit, you're on your own as far as getting to campus. Obviously, you can still interact with coaches and everything like that once you get to campus, but the trip is not paid for. Official visit, which you only get like one per school and like only set so many, I think, um, for your like recruiting cycle. Um, that's all paid for by the school. They fly you out. They give you the red carpet treatment, take you out to eat, blah, 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 blah. Um, do a lot of probably shady things if you're in Oregon or <laughs> whatever, Ohio yeah. state, Alabama. But, um, anyway, that's, that's aside from, from the subject there. So, and then the other person coming in for that last weekend, the 25th through the 27th is Ben Roberts. He's a highly yes. regarded yep. defensive lineman from East high school in Salt Lake city. We've had, you know, a defensive line pipeline from East High School, starting with yep. Sam Taimani, who's going to be your starting nose tackle for us this year. And then incoming freshman who is here in the spring and actually looked really good in the practices I went to is Voy Tanufi. So I think it's just, again, Ben Roberts, similarly to Ryan Otten. I think that's a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to, I think you could see three of those four guys commit that weekend or shortly after. I think Tavarua Tafiti is going to be a tough one. I think that's going to come down to the wire with Notre Dame. Yeah. But I do think Ben Roberts, Emeka Megwa, and Ryan Otten are probably going to be committed shortly after that visit, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. So suffice to say, June and July are going to be massive recruiting months for the Huskies. Um and for every college football team out there, but especially a team like the Huskies with a first year coach last year, that is a good recruiter, but heavily depends. And Sam has obviously talked about this many times, heavily depends on that human to human interaction on campus, which he has not had in his entire tenure as head coach at this point until now. So I think we will see that bump up. And if, you know, these insiders that we like to follow on the blogs are, they tend to know what they're talking about and they're excited and they think that the program's heading in a really good direction recruiting wise. So for sure, be on the lookout for some commits. There's probably going to be, you know, five to six commits over this next month is my guess. Um, And maybe a few more even sprinkled in in July. So it's going to be a lot of, a lot of turnover here coming coming pretty quickly um besides recruiting i did want to just touch on there are some game times now for some of the games that uh that uh, were released i think like last week or something like that so it was all of the non-conference games have game times and then the friday night games at least one of them the Apple Cup doesn't have a game time yet, but um, I think it's going to either be on Fox or FS1, and it's at like one of two times. It's either going to be like a 1.30 or a 5.30 game or something. Um, but for the, the the game times that we do know, that first game against Montana, 5 p.m. at Husky Stadium on Pac-12 Network, I think. But we'll, we'll stream it, right? We'll That's, probably that be watching sounds... that one together. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a Pac-12 game. Yeah, so pretty sure that's on Pac-12 Network. Um, the big one the following weekend at Michigan, at Ann Arbor, is an ABC game, 
Prime time. Big, big game. September big game. 11th. I am going to watch the game. I will not be in town. I will be in Chelan um, at a buddy's bachelor party, but I will find a way to watch the game. <laughs> yeah, you better. That's a huge yeah, game. I know. It's early enough in the night, maybe, where you can watch most of it. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of pissed because the, the bachelor party got rescheduled. Like it was oh. supposed to be three weeks before that. Oh. And it got rescheduled mm. for that weekend. Brutal. So it, I'll make it work. But yeah, a little bit of a letdown that I won't be in town for that one. Uh, and then the following week, Arkansas State at home. Uh, imagine another Pac-12 network game at 115. Um, and then the only other game time that we officially have is that Friday night game against Arizona on October 22nd. That's a 730 game. So hopefully there's no truck racing on that night and we can watch <laughs> the game. Oh, um, you never know, ESPN man. Two? ESPN2, I don't think, has truck races. That was a, that was an FS1 thing. But they probably have, you know, I don't know. Poker. Something. I mean, it's ESPN2. That's a weird that's, – that's, we haven't had a game on ESPN2 in a long time, I feel like, like since we were in college. Yeah, I can't remember. But hopefully these late-night games are, you know – far and few between in the future with our new pac 12 leadership yeah i guess that's another thing that we should touch on fire larry scott hashtag fire larry scott worked everybody he got it did work it did work yeah i know we went over that but we haven't talked about the new guy kalifkoff or something like that i think it was his last name george George, mr george George kalifkoff i think is his name uh like a president of mgm or something like that like um so obviously has worked in the entertainment business i when i heard of that i'm thinking this is just larry scott 2.0 because that was like a very similar background to what larry scott had coming in but i will say that george kalifkoff did say all of the right things heck yeah in his first press conference so and he talked a lot about how football and basketball are the revenue generators and that that's their focus is getting, bread and butter yep getting you know back to competitive on those two platforms so um for sure and obviously all about playoff expansion and stuff like that too which i think is something that the pac-12 really needs yeah um just just for the conference's sake um and for recruiting and everything so excited about excited about what he could bring obviously he couldn't be worse than larry scott so we'll see what happens but um i I'm not uh I'm not not optimistic about it, I guess. I would say. I'm optimistic just because it's not Larry Scott. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. same. That's I mean, we can't have a worse TV deal for a Big 5 conference, right? Yeah. No, it can't get any worse. And I think if there's anything that has stood out to me with the new hire is he's bold, he's confident, borderline cocky. And at this point, that's what we need. Like we need somebody that can go to the negotiating table with ESPN and tell them what's what. And just Larry would just lay over, roll over and play dead, get the belly tickles from all of his buddies and take whatever ESPN would give us. And that's when like, you know, and the, oh, you got truck racing on that night. That's fine. Oh, we'll take a backseat okay. to that. We, we we don't need to see the first quarter of the UW Stanford game. 
Oh yeah, Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running backs in college football history. Oh yeah, we'll we'll put him on at ten thirty at night. That sounds good. Let's do that. I mean, he should have been uh... like that. To me, is the epitome of Larry Scott. The fact that they buried Christian McCaffrey's record-breaking yeah. season in so many late-night games. Like he, sh- there's no way he should not have won the Heisman that year. Yeah. Like that is on Larry 100%. Yep. So I don't see that stuff happening. Like it, it could, I mean, it's still a tough negotiation, but well, I think, I think George is going to go in and he's just, there's going to be a different tone that he's going to set with some of these negotiations and yeah, uh, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And if something like that were to happen again, it'd be more, based off of like precedent like as far as just like yeah, where the pack exactly. is now and not mm-hmm. because of george kalivkov so yeah um he's definitely got an uphill battle but he seems up to the task and like i said he said all the right things in the press conference so hopefully he can he can turn this conference around and get us get us more relevant on a national stage again you know we need to we need to be competing with the big 10 and sec and acc big 12 and all those guys for for network time and for for media rights and for recruits and and all this stuff so it all it all plays hand in hand with each other so all right anything else that you guys want to touch on i think that's probably a wrap i think that's i think that is probably a wrap uh thank you again justin for for recording with us tonight uh we're gonna get you in the intro here we didn't have a chance to do it tonight but you're you're officially a part of the podcast (laughs) whether you like it or not yeah we got to get you in the intro so um but why don't you go ahead and shout out your your second podcast that you have over the top epl um your english premier league podcast yeah the premier league just ended that's right um we just had the champions league final between chelsea and manchester city chelsea won that game crazy Uh, penalty shootout We'll be covering that tomorrow night, so you'll get a new episode Thursday. So look out for nice. that where we'll cover the UEFA Champions League, the end of the Premier League, and talking about the Euro tournament, which is like the European version of the World okay. Cup this summer. So that's cool. Yeah, I was gonna June. say, what are you guys gonna talk about now that Premier League is winding down? Like, is it gonna be like a lot of the summer tournaments? Yeah. So like focusing on the Premier League players that are in gotcha. the the summer tournaments so that cool. happens really to be the euros and england obviously has the most premier league players sure there are yeah. other teams as well yeah cool awesome well i look forward to the next episode and yeah that was a crazy champions league final <laughs> yeah so that was that'll be a fun one to talk about for you guys so cool uh i think yeah like i said that it's, that's gonna be a wrap i'm trying to think what our next episode's gonna be it might be a, it it depends how this recruiting cycle goes <laughs> like i mean if if news breaks, I mean, Sam and I are going to be on here pretty quick. Um, yeah. If JT commits, we're emergency podcasting, hands yeah, down. Wherever you sure. are, we stop what we're doing. Well, that, 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 would, that would be – we could do a live thing for that, like if, if he commits. Like that, I'm going to be – That would be live worthy. Hammered drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in the front row. Hammer drunk. Prop, prop, prop. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm optimistic, but like, I have, I have hope now. We had, I mean, what, like two, three months ago when we were first talking about this, we were like, yeah, it's not, 
going to happen, but he's we're still on his list just kind of yeah. like for the hometown thing. But it seems like there's legit chance. So I'm fired up. You might as well be fired up about it and have hope because we're fans. So why not? Um, but I think that that is going to call it a wrap on this one, guys. Um, thanks again for listening as always. Um, subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description until next time. Go Sounders, go M's, go Hawks, go Sonics and go dogs.